Good morning to you all. This is uh, the big kickoff here on Liffey Sounds 96.4 with me, Dave, and Shannon Cross on my right. Let's get it going here, everybody. Everybody, welcome to the big kickoff here in Liffey Sounds 96.4. Have you all been good boys and girls this week? Well, Shano, how are you? How's the farm? Great, great. Did you watch boxing last night? Yes, I did. And? Ah, <clears throat> it was actually a great night because it wasn't just the Kell Brook fight. It was actually George Groves is just as good in fairness. And it's great to see some fights where the right matchups are on and they're proper fights. And you're getting entertained instead of some of these joke shops and potential joke shop fights that are coming up further down the line that all the pros are starting to jump on now because yeah. they now start to believe it's going to happen, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, this, uh, I, I enjoyed last night. I enjoyed yeah. the fight last night. Great show. Uh, slightly disappointed with Kel Brook. I thought yeah. maybe, maybe he looked like he was zapped with energy and maybe having to cut yeah. down so much and, yeah. and the weight maybe got to him. Uh, I know the eye was a problem for him, but uh, yeah, good night's boxing all around. Yeah. George Gross finally got his title. He finally got, and he he looked like he was drained. He didn't know yeah. what to say at the end. He of was it. lost, wasn't yeah, he? Yeah, yeah, but it was great. Yeah, no, that was well, great for him. So, what's coming up on today's show? Um, well, today we have Lisa Fallon, who is, uh, I suppose, a tactical analyst for uh, Cork City and Northern Ireland. She's coming into us. At so night. she has the golden touch. So she, to speak at the moment. She, that's she, it's the only reason why Northern Ireland are doing anything this year. <laughs> and Cork City, uh, yeah. and Cork City, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> that's what we have her in. We'll be doing uh, little stories on uh, controversy. That uh, could take two th- hours throughout sport. So I mean, sport is controversial, isn't it? Constant. So, no, uh, are we doing anything else at least? If I'm, uh, uh, oh, there, yes, yes, there might be. Uh, it might be uh, uh, our. New quiz, beat the brain. Uh, yeah. The brain will be in. He'll, he'll, he'll be testing Lisa's knowledge. Uh, After it, we'll see whether the brain is the right nickname. It might just be beat bug out. It might be just beat the bugs, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, yeah, no, and we'll have our, 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 our usual stuff that we had on last week as well. So, so are we going to start off and kick off with a song? What have we got, mate? Ooh, celebrate an emotional fish. Oh, nice. Welcome back. That's a good start, anyway, Shannon. So, anyways, caffeine kicking in, you. Caffeine's in. Nah, good man. We're raring to go. All right, Leo. Let's kick off with uh, somewhere wonderful sporting news that's happened in the last week or so. Well, just a little sidetrack, and I know uh, the, the events that happened in Manchester. Uh, we won't go into the, the whole thing. But yeah. A homeless man. Did you hear this? Ah, superb. Helped out with uh, the rescue efforts. Mm, uh, several of them, actually. Several of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think he may have have led it, but uh, it was. Um, 
What's that? West Ham. Oh, the... the gold. No, it wasn't yeah, Gold. It was him and his son, David Gold. The they, son put a tweet out. They right put a tweet that? out and they, and they went to look for this man who helped and he wanted to give him six months accommodation yeah. and, uh, and a bit of money to help him on his way to give him that leg yeah. up. So, you know, I thought that was a, it was a, a, a great gesture. Yeah, you I know. think he's got a job now. Oh, has <coughs> he got right a job as well? Yeah, yeah. Well, there's another guy, I won't go into the story of his, but what he did for a young girl, which is pretty admirable. Um, it's a bit too graphic, but uh, yeah, as far as I know, I think he's been looked after with a job now as yeah. well, and they're trying to help him get David back Sullivan. Sorry, not gold. David Sullivan. David Sullivan. Gold, yeah. gold is his partner. Yeah, his partner. That's right. Uh, so yeah, no, it's uh, again. You always get these little stories yeah. that spin off something, mm. uh, which again we didn't didn't really want to go into, but yeah, uh, yeah, no, great. I, I, and I didn't know if I I kind of liked that man, two of them actually, and uh, who's it on? Karen Brady. Karen Brady, yeah. yeah. All very business-like people yeah. and cutthroat. And I think when they were at Birmingham City, yeah, yeah. I mean, they jumped ship fairly quickly. So. Now, in fairness, they're lifelong West Ham fans, so they're where they, they want to be now. So yeah, maybe yeah, there's a bit yeah. more heart so in it now. Maybe, than, maybe. Anyway, I thought that was a, a good news story. To make you feel good? Um, I'm not sure still Decent about them. Still <laughs> I'm not sure about them. So. Yeah, I'm still not a big fan of it. I want to see them do well next year. Uh, I just want to briefly start on one which I think is an absolute classic. Uh, Leonardo Bonucci winning the league last week. Did you see about this? No. Uh, his son, I think he's only five years old, is now an absolute. He's now an absolute Torino ultra legend. Yeah. Did you hear about this? No. Basically, he's a big Torino fan, which are obviously the crosstown rivals of Juventus, and they were getting ready for the trophy presentation, and. And uh, basically, he came out with it. You know, all, the, all the players come out with their kids and all that, and they wave around to the crowd, lift up. The, so he came out with the two sons, and he's walking out, and you can see him. He's not kind of too happy anyway, but slowly but surely, as they're getting closer, he just starts bawling, and he's not one bit happy. So anyway, it comes out afterwards because everyone's asking, what's going on about Benucci's son? He's a massive Torino fan, and the fact that he had to wear the Juventus jersey broke his heart. Oh, no. And you think your dad would be your greatest hero, and he's after winning the sk- Scudetto and everything else. He should be, but now he's a monster Torino fan, and he was just... Broke. That must kill. Must kill. So now Torino fans want him at the, the, their first home game next year. They're going to make up songs about him. And he met his um, the star striker Balotti during the week, and uh, he got sunny jerseys the whole lot. And now he's a he's a ha- he's half of Torino's uh, biggest fan now at the moment. No way. Yeah. That's but uh, yeah, see him on YouTube. You'll see him. He's just nice and normal stone face, and then slowly but surely. The, the pain comes across his face that he knows people are going to see him in the Juventus jersey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Last night, um, John Joyce. Oh, Luke and Donald, John Joyce, yeah. First professional fight. Yeah. Uh, and a, a first round stoppage. Yeah, first round TKO. You can't get better than nice that. Nice body shot. I got yeah. a quick look at a few of the boys put up on Facebook. It's a pity we're a, a radio show and, we, uh, and that we can't yeah. get that uh, but it looked, tape up. But it, it was only about 10 or 15 se- uh, second slot that I seen of it, but it, was, uh, it looked classy. It looked slick and it looked like a great put down. Um, I don't know much about the opponent, but it's irrelevant. It's it's his first win under his belt, and hopefully it's the, it's the start of many. So yeah. we wish him all the best, obviously. And we we'll get down. Seems to be coaching well many years ago. Well, was, Maybe was, we played our part. It was a tough training that we put him through. <laughs> yeah, maybe not quite on the same level. Yeah, we've had a few managerial vacancies. Uh, oh, the merry-go-round. Yeah, one of them was uh, Sam Allardyce. Actually. Silva went to Wofford yesterday. Yes, didn't he? that's right. He went to Wofford yesterday. It's, a, it's an interesting one because it was all set that he looked like he was going to go to Porto, which would be a great move for him. Oh, and I, I wonder what happened there. Mm, it's no a, idea. It's a strange one, isn't it? But Sam Allardyce is retiring. Yeah. What do you make? Now of he that? said he'd never say never, but it looks like he's as good as he's done. Who knows? Like you know, 
maybe he's finally got to that stage where it's not the game it was and that's the game he used to be. But then again, maybe he wanted to go out with one final hurrah. I'll keep Palace up and then I can retire. I don't want to finish with the England kind of drama on his CV. And maybe yeah. he said, right, I've kept him up. Good luck to you. And maybe do a Harry in a few years in a few years' time and just maybe get somebody up again. But I'd say that's what it is. He just didn't want England to, to be the last thing on a CV, I'd say. Well, there's a couple of things about Sam Allardyce. <laughs> Back in the... Hold on, I'll just get out the soapbox for you to get on there, Sean. Go on, off you oh, go. No, a couple of, just a couple <laughs> of things to say in here. Uh, he once paid ten and a half grand for some Glastonbury tickets. Right. Now, I think it was... A, I think it might have been a charity night and uh, he gave them to his daughter, but... Uh, it shows you our, our 10 euro was there 10 and a half grand yes he goes through six packets of chewing gum a day <laughs> what's that all about huh and here's one the the ones that I didn't know about uh, in 2008 the Irish FA they, as they yeah, call it yeah, the yeah. FAI asked him about becoming the manager he said it wasn't done directly but one or two people rang me uh, that there might be a possibility. I said I was flattered to be considered, but it was far too early for me to think about it. So we could have had Big Sam on our side. How do you think that would have fared out? Uh, 2003? Two, yeah, it would have been in around that so time. So probably a lot better than uh, uh, first captain, second captain. I haven't got a Scooby-Doo. Oh, Because yeah, he would have been around that time, yeah, wasn't he? he Stan? We yeah, went cheap yeah. with, Stan, with Stan. Yeah. So, ah, look. Interesting. He could have suited us with what we had, you know, good, honest players who never give up. He could have been, yeah. you know. And then the only problem, I'm just glad he didn't because then I might have to actually like him. <laughs> you don't like him? I'm not his biggest fan, no. Okay. How uh, dare he give out about Rafa Benitez? How dare he? <laughs> Go on, move on. Another nice story. All of mine are nice stories. Did you see uh, the European Tour put up a video about uh, a big, massive nine-year-old golf fan? And the dad got involved and he sent an email into the guys and said he's a massive fan of Andrew Beef Johnson and we're on our way to Wentworth, there's anything you can do. And he said, we can do one better. Um, and basically, his top four are Stenson, Rose, Coimer and Beef Johnson. So his, uh, they said, right, we'll sort this out. Be outside the road, outside your house at such and such a time on Wednesday or Thursday, whenever it was. And uh, out comes Andrew Beef Johnson to pick him up. And of course, oh, the kid yeah. is just made up. And we'd be made up. Oh, who are you telling? And uh, so they're driving along. And he goes, Hold on, I'll just pick up one more mate if that's okay. And they said, Grand. And of course, out pops Justin Rose and he gets into the car. No way. And he's just made up at this stage. And he's like, Oh, sorry, we've one more lad. And then he, he gets on the phone on the Bluetooth and speaks, Henrik, Henrik. And you just see the face, the kid's face drop. Go, oh my God, I know exactly who he's talking about. And of course, he walks in with the claret jug. So there's the kid oh, in the middle no. of it. And he goes, Oh, hold on, Henrik. Uh, Justin Rose takes out his Olympic gold medal. You have one of these as well, but it's a slightly different colour. <laughs> So he's rubbing it into Stenson. And then, of course, at the very end, who, who welcomes him but Martin Coimer? And uh, brings him out into the 18T, or 18 green, I should say, and uh, lets him drain the winning putt to win the, the PGA in his, in, his, in, his, in his head, in his dream. So some, it goes to show you some of these people, there's still good people out there in the, in the sporting world. Yeah, and you can see... And more of it should be celebrating. Yeah, you could, and you, can, you see how much it means to yeah. you. know, I, I was watching... That kid will um, never give up. No, the FA Cup final yesterday. Did you see yeah. the FA Cup final? And... Uh, William, isn't it? Prince William. Yes. Everyone hoping over there that he's going to be King, uh, King William. Anyhow, he walked out, you know, they did the handshakes, yeah. the, uh, the two teams, there's about 22 mascots there. Yeah, yeah. 
And uh, he ignored every single kid, and every kid the was kid looking up at him. Every single kid was looking at him, looking to get a handshake Probably or the something. Probably one and only chance. One and only chance, and he ignored every single one of them. Now, our, our Mickey D, <laughs> he'll shake anyone's hand. How are you saying? Hold on, hold on. Hold on, hold on. Well, they're on eye level, so he's no choice. <laughs> Sorry, sorry, Mr. President. Sorry, sorry Mr. President. <laughs> that was right. I said that. Show was cut. <laughs> um, still out there. French Open is on this week. The tennis. Yeah, uh, and it's very interesting. Uh, you, we have uh, the, the the women's will be a lot more even this week because Venus Williams is out uh, with. Uh, we call it a long-term injury, pregnancy, it's hard to say. Oh, Serena. Or Serena, sorry. Yeah, Serena has, has her own issues as well. Has her own issues, but, yeah, yeah. But, Serena's, um, but Serena's out. So it, it makes it a, a, a lot more, I suppose, competitive. Yeah. There's about eight or nine now who have a great chance. I think Kvitova. She's back, yeah. She's back in after. Remember, she got stabbed in That's the hand. That's right, in her hand, yeah. And she wasn't supposed to be back uh, so quick. She was going to aim for Wimbledon. But uh, now she is back for this, and she's she reckons that she's going to give it a good go. I presume. Men, go on. Presume I, I'm trying to figure out how to word it. I, I presume it's the hand she uh, grips the racket with. I, I presume so. It's hardly the other one. I mean, that's not hold you back. And we move on from that. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the men's, you have Nadal just as open. Yeah, I think Nadal is, is the favourite now. Yeah, he's coming back. Yeah. Is Murray? He's on, he's on a Murray's completely slump, different. Whatever yeah. is going on. Once he's now. got number one. He's He's got. He's number one, yeah, yeah, and he's he's won the titles that he's probably always wanted, yeah. and now he's probably peaked and gone. Now he may get this back again. You've yeah. seen it with Nadal. You've seen yeah. it with Djokovic. He wouldn't necessarily be a clay specialist anyway. No, but uh, it, it looks like Nadal's uh, best chance to get back into the, the winning ways, even so, because Federer took advantage in the, in the, in the last yeah. world as well. But I was I was doing a little bit of research, and I found a Ooh. couple of. No, no, this is. It's more of a Wimbledon story, but it yeah. seems it's, 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 it's close enough. It's tennis, yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, it's only about two weeks after. It was um, just a story that I thought was interesting. It, it was a, a, a real survivor, it's called. Uh, it says, a real survivor is a term used practically in tennis where hanging on in there is a great quality that every champion needs, right? Norris Williams. Do you know Norris? Oh, yeah, I knew his mother. Coronation Street. <laughs> <laughs> Norris Williams. Oh, no, that was our Ashley. That's that's Ashley. Yeah. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> Norris Williams was one such survivor. On Saturday, July 3rd, 1920, the American, so he's not from Coronation Street, the American was on the winning side of the gentleman's doubles final. Nothing strange about that. No. Okay. But Williams, who uh, is a veteran from World War One, Yeah, it would be one if it was... Yeah, the yeah. World War One. Carried a little secret with him. Shortly before midnight on April the 14th, 1912, right? Yeah. Wait for me now, we're all getting right, there, all right? All right. Uh, he went for an impromptu swim in the Atlantic Ocean. <laughs> you have no idea where this is going, <laughs> yeah. He spent more than an hour in the water before being rescued. Okay. And other people, 1,490 of them, uh. including his own father, weren't so lucky and would never get the chance to, to see his match. One of them being Jack Dawson, am I right in saying that? Williams was the on, only survivor of the Titanic ever to have won a Wimbledon title. Ah, I thought that was brilliant. <laughs> yeah, because there were so many that went for Wimbledon straight. I, I know what I'll do after I just co- recover from high I'm going to start playing tennis. It's unbelievable though, isn't it? I think it's a great story. <laughs> Uh, one of my last ones here, the Giro d'Italia, the classic tour series of which there's three of them, which is the Spanish Welt and of course the big one, which is the Tour de France. The Giro d'Italia is finishing up today and obviously they have the, the, their jerseys, the pink jersey, and there's a guy called uh, Quintana who's in the lead at the moment. But the Dutch 
there's about four or five riders in with a show today on the last day. It's a, I think it's 28, 29 kilometre uh, time trial mm. to finish up. But uh, the guy who's in four, Thomas Dumoulin, he's, uh, even though it sounds French, he's Dutch, according to the internet. Don't blame me if he's not anyone who wants to troll us. Uh, is the favourite. He's a time trial specialist. Okay. But he had about a two, two and a half minute lead up until stage 16 during the week. But then he uh, had a call to nature and it's not number one. Oh no. Yeah, and he had to and get off the bike. The, you know, he got and, off the bike, did he? Yeah, got oh, off I the bike. Have, I wouldn't have got off the bike. <laughs> You'd have just... I'd have kept going. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you have to put in all that effort in, what's a, what's a little bit of a yeah. stain? Huh? Yeah, exactly. So anyway, he went off and unfortunate, one or two unfortunate uh, spectators managed to, to witness the event and he gets back on and uh, yeah, he ends up uh, losing the pink jersey, but he's still winning touching distance. I think he's only 50 seconds behind and they said it should be more than enough for him to get it back today and win. So if anyone wants to watch it, time trials are always great crack. You'd be surprised that doesn't happen more often in cycling, don't you? Uh, yeah, I wonder if do they have little uh, stuff inside their shorts to help them out or... Yeah. Nappies. But then again, in the first, say, 40 or 50k, it's very much just a warmer-upper and a lot of lads end up yeah. drinking up loads of their liquids and then they all stop and they all tend to wait for each other. To and then when it gets to a certain point in the race, like, right, it's race time, guys, there's no more kind of leeway but yeah. he obviously did it in the business end so because uh, what's, what was the what was the marathon runner for England oh Paul Radcliffe I mean <laughs> perfect just keep going <laughs> live on TV never give up just do it and I couldn't stop looking I was kind of like I couldn't even look away to give her privacy I was like am I if you're is after, this in front of my eyes right now <laughs> if you're after running 24 miles yeah you're, you're not stopping you're not stopping did she all. win that day uh, I don't know I don't know who cares you can't remember after that no. there's I, no going back no Anyway, thanks very much for that, Shano. No uh, that was our little weekly review on what's happened and what's about to come. Uh, we're just going to go to an ad break. You're listening to Lizzie Sound on 96.4 FM. Welcome back. That was in excess with disappear. Nice choice there, Sean. Well done. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, no, not too bad at all. Um, anyway, coming up now, we're going to do uh, basically a rundown on some big sporting controversies over the years. Um, there's been plenty of fun and frolics in, in, in the sporting world, as we know. And some of them that we're doing today is, would you believe, Paralympics, oh. uh, rugby, um, American football, ice skating. Which I think we all know what we're going to talk about there. And you have a cracker in tennis as well, haven't um, Yeah, I picked this up when I was looking at the other thing, the the, the, fr- the French <laughs> Open. But <laughs> I thought it was Norris story, with uh, the Titanic. It's, not, it's nothing got to do with that, no, but it's not far off. Right, we'll kick off with the 2000 Sydney Olympics and the Spanish Paralympic basketball team. Basically, they, it, they're an intellectually disabled basketball team and... You have to be below 70 of an IQ. Uh, so it's not more physical, it's more on the mental side. Okay. And basically, long story short, 10 of the 12 were perfectly normal, perfectly well-abled, uh, normal human beings. They were basically 10 ringers. No way. And they romped home <laughs> with the goals. Absolutely romped Where home. Where were they from? Uh, Spain. Spain. Coach Rabonda or something was his name. Basically, uh, he wanted to win. He wanted to win bad. And uh, yeah, 10 of them. And in the first game against China, they were 30 points up before even the first half. And uh, the quote was, listen, lads, we need to go down a gear or they'll be on to us. <laughs> and if you look at some of the pictures of them winning their gold medal, you can see the, 
the look on their faces, you can see some of them, like, they have guilt written all over them. Jesus. Yeah, so they, but apparently it was quite common. Uh, plenty went on in, in that Olympics, but that was the greatest one of, of them all. Like. I wonder how they, um, how they, they were of, never tested. Yeah, how, they don't referee it, so that's what I'm saying. It, it, beforehand, beforehand, beforehand. Here's the squad of 12, yeah, and they just accepted it. They never, um, they never tested them, they never, uh, to see where they have because it's obviously, it's again, uh, if it's a physical disability, it's it's visual. You can see yeah, it, yeah. but uh, obviously in the the the, the mental side, then you now obviously it's it's a lot harder to research. So I have no idea if any of these were really really good players, like were they proper ringers or not. I'm not sure, but uh, it was good enough to ramp on with the gold anyway. And obviously they were found out. Oh, without a shadow of a doubt, yeah. Um, I don't know the exact. What year was that? Do you know? Two thousand. Two thousand Sydney Olympics. Oh, okay. Good one. Like so there that. you go. Maybe inspire that awful film that uh, Johnny Knoxville did. Oh, the, yeah. Was that The Ringer? The Ringer. Was the actually, Ringer. That's why I keep yeah. calling them Ringers because yeah, I, I yeah, didn't know yeah. what else to call them. Yeah, I've seen that. Bangers, one. as we used to call them in football. Bangers. So yeah. yeah. Still, that's still happening. <laughs> um, so that was that one. Uh, the famous one in rugby is uh, the famous one from 2009, Heineken Cup semi. Uh, was it the Heineken? No, it was the Heineken Cup game versus Leinster. And the famous Bloodgate. Do you remember that one? No. Oh yes, I do. Yeah. So Dean Richards is the manager of it's, Leicester. It's just a bit like the, the the wrestling, the fake blood. Basically, they bought a couple of capsules from a, a joke shop, and they'd have them for just in case or in case of emergency, break glass or break uh, blood capsules. Here, it was a tactical. Uh, they basically uh, Tom Williams was the guy. He basically went down and all of a sudden started doing the blood talk. You can automatically bring somebody on. Uh, they'd used all their subs and they needed to facilitate a tactical sub for Nick Evans to come back on. So it was a tactical move to get him back on to put an impact on the game. Uh, so if you remember the video, he's there, he's on his knees and the doctor comes over. The doctor, to cover it up even more, then came out with a blade and cut his lip to make it even more believable. Oh. And what Basically, it was kind of people at home again on his way on his way out as he's walking past. He gives somebody the wink. Then he goes to spit out a bit, and it was like the equivalent of a pint of blood that came out. He should have passed out. <laughs> it was that bad, and it didn't even look real. It didn't, and everyone jumped on it straight away, and they looked into it, and of course, it all came out. So but this the, is, was this this obviously was from uh, the top down. This is oh, a ploy. Literally, three or four of the top guys, Dean uh, Dean Richards, who he has that face. He'd be like the rugby equivalent of Nigel Pearson you know I'd say oh, yeah, yeah. he gives it that chest out I, I've still got it even though you're long gone like yeah. remember remember Pearson when he held on to your man on the touchline I know, say, yeah. I could still take yeah. it he, he just re- looks like that he got two years um, and the player ended up with a four month ban and club doctors directors the lot four or five of them went down with, but it was classic but it was the it was the wink and the way he splattered the blood that, that's what killed him if he had just walked off without being over dramatic he probably easily would have walked away with it that's unreal. But it was class. That's, it, it, it's amazing that people would go to that to them lengths just to cheat. Like, where, where, like, fair enough, our oh, blood's like, the bending of the rules as in professional game in, in all sports. Yeah, it's, all, all it's always there, but that's, that's a clever ploy in fairness. When you think about it, it's clever. It is clever. Somebody sat there and went, I have an idea, guys. Let's keep the blood capsules clever, but if the, we be. The end result was always going to be if you got found out, you were going to get slaughtered. Oh yeah! So it's such His a big risk. Ruined. Yeah, it's ruined. Yeah, now, I don't know if he's done anything since or if it, who he's with or whatever. But no. even if he goes anywhere, that'll always be on his back. So always. I don't know if it, it's it's worth it just so he can get another sub on. Yeah, that's no, basically no. what it comes down to. So I should I should have really looked into did they win the game or not, but I presume they didn't. No, I get back. Yeah. To that. Who cares? Moving on. <laughs> 
get back to that. Um, tennis. The tennis one. Yeah. Uh, no, this is a long time ago. All I right. thought you were going to say this is a long story. I was like, oh, God. No, no, it's a long time ago. <laughs> J.T. Hartley. It sounded like uh, the fella in the, the, the book. Do you have fly fishing by J.T. Hartley? Well, J.T. Hartley. You do? There's a fly fishing, something fishing, no? Yeah, well, something like that. Anyway. Beat Mr. St. Leisure. All right. <laughs> this is going. It's like from some uh, Bronte novel. This is uh, uh, in a fairly routine Wimbledon final set, but this okay. is back in 1879. Okay, right. so this would have been uh, probably trousers and stuff like that. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, but his uh, his opponent uh, Hartley's opponent uh, Saint Leisure. His actual name is, is Thomas Saint Leisure Gould. Uh, mm. In 1907, the match would acquire uh, would acquire its notoriety after falling on hard times. Gould and his wife made the acquaintance of a wealthy Danish widow, Emma Levine, uh, whom they secured loans. Right. Right. Uh, on Tuesday, the 6th of August, the ghouls took a train from Monte Carlo to Marseille where they disposed a trunk that was later discovered to contain the dismembered body of Miss Levine. The trial lasted uh, three days and Gould admitted murder and he's o- the only convicted murderer to have contested the Wimbledon violence. So... There's a bit of a thing. We must look at the Wimbledon special. Wimbledon comes around. We Titanic survivor. Yeah. A murderer. A murderer. What else have we got? Tin Hemmen. <laughs> I'm sure he's bored people with his, with his, or killed people with his barns. <laughs> he's just cruel. Oh, the little double fisted hamster. Get in. Get That's all he's got. <laughs> <laughs> the midnight in the Orient, or midnight, the murder on the Orient Express. That is, yeah. I hope it would be beautiful if it was on the Orient Express. <laughs> Monte Carlo, J. R. Hartley. <laughs> was it Golden Pages or something? That's it. There's a nice little plug for the Golden Pages. Uh, I've got another great one here from the New Orleans Saints uh, NFL American mm. football team. The, uh, they had a famous bounty scandal in the mid 2000s. Now, what the bounty scandal was? Now, this is from the top down again, but not the manager. They all got punished. Some very lightly, some because uh, it's kind of one of these. It happens, but no, it doesn't happen. But a lot of them happen. But they they got caught big time. Long story short, they set up a little pool. Well, when I say a little pool, a big pool of money uh, to incentivize the players to take out star players from the opposing team. Oh, um, no, when I say take out. I mean take out the game, end them. Good luck, injure them, take them out of the game. Not just play hard or play better. Take, take them, them out. So basically, Jonathan Vilma is one of them, and a, a, there was a ten thousand dollar bounty on. Remember Brett Favre when he was at the Vikings, no. top quarterback. Basically, all the top quarterbacks at the time, it was all it was at least ten thousand dollar bounty on them all. It's it's slowly unraveled where I think the Cardinals or Kurt Warner was a quarterback. They all kind of gone. Geez, the Saints are a bit extra heavy on on, on yeah. all the quarterbacks, and somebody started looking into it a bit, and slowly but surely, we're noticing yet. Yeah, very late tackles after the throw, constant kind of extra hard hits, and slowly but surely somebody put their hand up. We need to look into this. So the defensive coordinator, all the guys in the defensive team, and including the manager, and apparently they've done it in a lot of their clubs. Basically, used to put, pay out bonuses on the side to the players ah. to take them clean out. So there's plenty of uh, some of them only got like a game or two, like very very light, but uh, nice money if you could get it. That's easy money, isn't it? Yeah, go out and. Roy Keane to be how much of a millionaire would that was I'll do for free the football yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what do you do for just for just for the love of the tackle Jeez, that's just, but yeah it's mad, it's mad that, that didn't say what they were paid did it oh ten thousand dollars is the top Every, one. Oh, that's the top but say 
for this game, oh, such and such, Roy Shannon's top quarterback, yeah, $10,000 for anyone who takes okay, him out of so the game. $10,000. Or if it was a star wide receiver, whoever's the star player, there's different bounties on different players. But usually the quarterback was the big one. Right, right, so 10000 And at least ten grand. And who's going to say no? Yeah, huh? absolutely not. Especially when, I think it's, I watched another great doc at ESPN, I love ESPN 30 for 30s, it's called Broke. Right. And it's mainly about the NFL football, but I think it's set over 70% of players end up bankrupt within three years of retirement. Why? They just go crazy with the money. They're keeping up with the Joneses in their professional career. Oh, say you got a house, I need to get the big one. I got a car, I need to get right. it. And then they buy all these crazy businesses and there's just vultures everywhere. And they just blow all their money, most and, of them. And Steve Stanton have a bit of trouble. Many yeah, of them did. Yeah, I think yeah. he did. I think he, um, God, what was the, the program that he invested in? It was, I don't know, something like Ross Naroon or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> and he lost a whole lot of money. Yeah, write that down. We need to look into this. That uh, be, yeah, that no, that's right. That's, I think that's, that's what happened. Everyone else, absolute gem. everyone else is buying uh, property and stuff, and he's going into Raston Rion or something. Yeah. So, uh, last but not least, uh, ice skating. Uh, I think we know where this one is going. Well, there can only be one. It's Harding. Yeah, Tanya Harding and Nancy Kerrigan. This, this was crazy. Uh, back in uh, qualifying for the 94 Winter Olympics in Lillehammer in Norway, they were basically rivals in the American team. Now, two or three go anyway. Mm. But uh, it was very much neck and neck with them. Tanya Harding seemed to win a few more titles, but Kerrigan was definitely one on the up. And a plot ensued uh, by her husband, Tanya Harding's husband and bodyguard. Mm. I didn't realise it was such a scary business, but they proved that it was anyway in the end that uh, they were going to take out Nancy Kerrigan because yeah. they wanted, because there's massive contracts. They wouldn't be on a lot of money, but there'd be massive endorsement contracts after it because Americans love the Olympics. And Nancy Kerrigan got one, I think it was like a $2 million contract with Disney. So it just goes to show you how much money they can make. Yeah. So I think that was the biggest fear because she was the real pretty all-American all girl, Nancy Kerrigan. So she was definitely one that was being pushed to the forefront. And if she could end up being the one who succeeded, it'll look good for the game, look good for the sport. And of course, then she'll make a ton of money. Yeah. So Harding was like, yeah. Well, the husband was kind of like, yeah, we need to do this. Now, obviously, Harding, in the end, it turned out, eventually knew about it, but wasn't exactly right behind it. But uh, at a training event uh, a couple of months beforehand, they hired a guy to come out and he had one of them, you know, the telescopic... Uh, Battens where you yeah. have to flick them out. So she came off the, the rink, went behind the court, and all of a sudden, everyone just hears loads of screams. He basically was to wh whack her over the knee and kind of just take her out. But he kind of got her on the toy, and she ended up with just really heavy, heavy, heavily bruised. But there's the famous video where she's just screaming, why, why, why? And her dad picks her up and carries her in. Yeah, yeah, remember that. Then the great success, success story was she got to the Olympics, ended up with silver medal, and Harding made it. Uh, she came eight, but you could see she just wasn't right. She wasn't there mentally yeah. and slowly but surely it came out afterwards where her husband her now husband well at the time they became husband and wife but now they split up since he basically sold her out oh, yeah. to try and get a reduced sentence himself uh, and said no she knew what she was doing and then she ended up to avoid further prosecution she pled guilty to conspiring to hinder the prosecution of the attackers oh and did he get done yeah, they did. Him and I can't remember the other guy's name, the bodyguard and the, the tour guide. They all got done. Did they, get, got did they get reduced sentences though? Oh, yeah. They were, it was they? a couple of years, like basically for racketeering and stuff like that. Like, yeah. But Harding ended up on seriously hard times and done one or two unsavory things on tape and stuff and uh, ended up going into professional boxing oh. to try and make ends of me. She had a half decent career, five or six fights, but she won a few of them. But it was more just. It, it was, was the a, end of her career. Yeah, it was done. She was finished. Yeah. Kerrigan went on to make a few quid, but it turned out she was a bit of a 
Not so nice girl anyway. All right. So, just, bitch. She so got it doesn't matter. Giving out loads of times <laughs> about different people. So uh, what's the moral of the story with them? Don't mess with any ice skaters. Don't mess with ice skaters, yeah. Everyone goes on about American football and all these other big tough sports, but I said there's no one nastier than an ice skater. God. Again, unbelievable how, how people are, how far they're willing to go to cheat. Ah, oh, whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. Anyway, hope you all enjoy that piece. Uh, we could have done plenty more. I mean, you never know. We might come back to that again yeah, at some right. stage. But anyway, we're going to go to take a quick break and then we'll be back with uh, Back in Time. You're listening to Liffy Sound. www.liffysoundfm.ie Listen online. Community radio at its best. Okay, welcome back. Um, just before back in time, uh, we're going to have one of our little features, uh, sporting stories. This one is from Ali McCoyce, who absolutely adores Paul Gascoigne. And who was actually uh, 50 this week, That's right, yeah. Who, in his own words, delighted to have got there because obviously he's had a lot of, uh, a lot of troubles. This is Ali McCoyst talking about his buddy, Paul Gascon. The lad's just, a, he's, a, he's a legend, you know, but first and foremost, what a football player. I mean, what a talented, talented football player. And you know, some boys, I, I actually think we might have got the best of him at mm-hmm. Rangers. Because he was he was comfortable, he was happy. He could go and do his fishing, and you know the the whole bit. And he, and the, the fans, everybody loved him. Everybody loved him. And how could you not? You know. And he, he's he's probably the, the one player that I ever played with that really could win a game himself, take a game by the scruff of the neck, and and win a game with just sheer ability and determination and talent. And plus, he was he was some boy. I mean, that, that story I'll never forget. That story. He used to go fit. I mean, you know, he's like he's an insomnia. He could yeah. never sleep. He loved his fishing. So we used to we used to come into training every morning, call on tie. When we trained at Ibrox. That was just something. The history of the club, 140 years. We used to come in call on tie. So, it, he, he, and he used to be in every morning, bang on nine o'clock for for training at ten. But one morning he's he's, he's not there. It's ten o'clock, half quarter to ten, and. We're looking about, where's Gascoigne, you know? Next man at the door gets kicked open and he comes in <laughs> with a pair of waders on. Right? <laughs> we're calling tight. Holding up two two of the biggest trout you've ever seen in your life, right? So we were just falling about laughing. Couldn't believe it. Hysterical, right? So he was injured and I was injured. So the boys go away in the minibus and they're away training and they... He said to me, he says, right, come on, Coyste, he says, we'll have a laugh with the fish. <laughs> I says, what do you mean? <laughs> he said, right, who's, who's been annoying you? And I went, I said, Jury. I says, Gordon Jury's been really annoying me. He said, right, get into his pocket, get his car keys. So we went into Dukey's car, his trousers, went out of his car, right? <laughs> so he comes out with the two fish gas coin. So we open up the boot. No, this, this is unbelievable. <laughs> so one screw, the spare wheel. <laughs> and I throw the fish in and I go to throw the other fish in and Gascoigne says no he says I said what do you mean he says watch so he takes one of the fish out <laughs> screws the wheel back on he finds a compartment in the back seat of this car that you wouldn't know existed and throws the other fish in there <laughs> and he looks at me and says when he finds the first fish he'll think that's it <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's a sensational criminal being in my That's what we're dealing with. Well, I need to tell you, for the next three or four days, Jury's coming in, he's saying, they're smelling my car, I can't hear <laughs> He says, I'm even stopping at the traffic lights, he says, there's people walking by me. 
And then, he, of course, he finds the first fish. Like Gascoigne said, he would find the first fish. And he thinks that's it. But you see, I, I, for a life of me, I can't get this way And I swear to God, we went out one day to go on the bus, and you know these wee Christmas tree there, fresheners? It was like Sherwood Forest. <laughs> yellow ones, orange ones, blue ones, purple ones, every fragrance known to man, you know? And I could take him about a month to get rid of the, rid of the smell in the car when he found the second fish. But, um, I mean, that was Gascoigne, the funny yeah. side of Gascoigne. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, what a, what a, just what a great human being. Well, obviously, well documented his, mm. his problems, which we obviously hope he, he, he sorts himself yeah. out, which would be great. But what a lad. What an absolute hero was Gaz, wasn't he? Unbelievable, unbelievable. And the stories are endless. Uh, yeah, and I think uh, anytime anyone from the English squad are at and talk of him, they talk of him in fondness and how crazy he was. And as, as I think McCoy's was saying there about uh, he was an insomniac, so yeah. away on holidays he'd be out playing tennis at three o'clock in the morning and stuff it's, like that. Oh, there's a famous one. I think he was on. He was recovering from the injury in Italy, and the lads couldn't find him. Couldn't find him anywhere around the hotel, and I, I'm not messing. There he was out playing tennis in this hotel with no other than Bridget Nielsen. Was it he found her and then he ended up dragging around no the tennis court. The lads are like, oh, he'd just That's do anything. But uh, no, he's an absolute hero anyway. But uh, now we're going to go and uh, we're going to take a, a trip down memory lane with uh, Back in Time. Right, everybody, uh, we're going to kick off with, with 1988. Remember that well, Shano, don't you? Well, actually, if I remember my first football memory was... Didn't know where you were going there, where you going with my first... No, no, <laughs> it was far too young. My first uh, football memory was 85, first yeah. World Cup, 88, but my first... No, 86. Or 86. 88 was the first European Championships and Olympics. Oh, and, and yeah. These were the big ones. So th these are the first ones that Spartan I heaven. remember. Uh, absolute Spartan heaven. And that summer, I just remember, just never, yeah. you're constantly watching something. And I had my first in that summer as well. Yeah, come on. <laughs> I had my first foreign holiday that, day, that year. Had you? Oh, yeah. I was in 88. I got to Mallorca and oh, all yeah. the family. I, was ah, in, I, was I in, thought we were loaded. I was in Salt Hill. <laughs> yeah, well, like two weeks in New York, I beat that. Yeah, okay. Yeah, great crack. <laughs> anyway, we won't go to the obvious straight away. I think we suppose now the fact that you mentioned the Olympics. We'll start with the winter ones. Okay. And have you got a great memory from 1988 back then? Uh, well, from from the, the Winter Olympics, uh, uh, there was... Uh, two obvious ones. Two obvious ones. But one of them, everyone knows from the film Cool Runnings. Yeah, uh, man. And how, I suppose, how well it was, uh, it was inspired and, and made popular by, by Disney. But uh, it didn't actually work out the way that the film was. Uh, Which most of them do. Seemingly, no, uh, and I only found out this, that n none of them were, were actually sprinters. There were, what? None of them were sprinters. I would have presumed at least a few. Yeah, it, it, it seemingly they all came from uh, the army. Right. Yeah. And... Uh, but they did, they did see that there was a, a, a gap in this and it was slightly business orientated that we can, we can, we okay. can, we can slot. Commercial so, opportunity. Yeah. But uh, Stokes, uh, who, who, who organized, I got into bobsleighing because I was told to go. <laughs> That's basically what it was. I was in the army at the time. The colonel made a suggestion to me and because I was captain, you were told and you obeyed the orders. So you're basically saying that barroom brawl scene never happened? <laughs> No, it didn't happen. And they never looked in the mirror and said, I see pride, I see power, 
<laughs> I see a badass no- What's it? mother who don't take from nobody. No. Didn't happen. Ruined. I only Didn't watched happen. it a week or two ago. That's why I remember the line. And ah, uh, shocked. I, because I watched the clip the other night, do you remember the scene where they... They crashed. Crashed. Yeah. That happened. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right? That was actual footage in the movie. That was the only yeah. thing that was probably real now. And I, I couldn't believe when I was watching it again. The head, your man's head was bent sideways oh, up against the For a split the, second, the you might think... Yeah, Jesus, this, are these dead? dead? Yeah, but the the clip then shows them, goes and pick, they picked it up and they walked down, but... It, that didn't happen. In, in real life, they just... They, they, they pushed it down past the line. And, and the bully of an East German... Didn't clap. None slowly. of that. None of that happened. They were actually. They were actually regarded with great fondness out there. Uh, stop so, there. No, you can stop there. <laughs> so Dreams have been shattered. Unfortunately, it, it, it's all uh, uh, all made up for for Disney's purposes. But it's still a great film. In fairness, though, uh, a quick one about the Winter Olympics as well. Obviously, the famous Eddie the Eagle as well. Back then, I watched the first fifteen minutes of that movie only recently and uh, turned it off because even though I knew it was obvious that. Most of the movie was made up as well. It was shocking. There was nothing funny about it. I didn't see it, no. But, uh, yeah, don't. Oh. But uh, just thrilling the memory of what it was. He was. It was just outstanding. He went, gave it everything. Everyone fell in love with him. And he got to say he was an Olympian. That was his sole dream. And, and he was going to do it no matter what. It, it is one of those things where even though you're not a, you're not a medalist, you're not, you're not competing to be a medalist, no matter what you do, you can do it if you set your goal so yeah. if your goal is just to get to the Olympics yeah. you can do it no matter who you are yeah. so don't give up folks no I'm still thinking I think we still need to go up to the up to the archery club and shot put next Olympics what are you trying to say I'm not saying it yeah well shut up and play a song then <laughs> how dare you actually this is appropriate give me a little respect from uh, Eurasia Eurasia He's learned his lesson. He's given me a bit more respect now after that shocking statement about shop <laughs> So I suppose uh, we have our guest in a bit early, so I suppose we'll do a quick introduction for our... Well, uh, we had to do a little run, legged it down, got her in, and she's she's here now, Lisa Fallon, a little bit early, uh, but that's exactly what we wanted from her. So I said 1988. Yeah, God, what a year that was. I think that's the year we all fell in love with football, wasn't it? And then some. And then some, yeah. And then some, Euro 88. Obviously... The biggest one. It has to be Ireland and England, the very first game. It was just incredible. Do you remember where you watched them? Uh, I got the last 10 minutes. It was my school sports day in St. Thomas's, but it was the year of the Dublin Millennium, remember? So can you remember the little, the logo? The, it was kind of like the, the Dublin Crest. I do, because it was, it was, the, it was on the milk bottles. Do you get the milk yeah, bottles? Yeah, oh, I had yeah, the milk bottles. Yeah, yeah. But my, probably my most treasured medal is my bronze medal from my Earth class sprint. Because there was always three lads, they always won it one, two, three every year, and I somehow managed to squeak in and got toward. But I got a Dublin Millennium bronze medal. Was that the double with the shot put? <laughs> Let's move on again. He hasn't learned his lesson. Yeah, I tell you what, I shot put in a minute. What is it? Shot? Is put the throw or shot? I don't know. Shots the button. Anyway, moving on. Uh, yeah, so we we missed it, but there's a tannoy system and they kept announcing a whole lot. So anyway, I won my mine. My dad was nowhere to be found. I'm looking around. There's me, ma'am. Delighted, Dad's nowhere to film because he's there's about ten TVs in all in every classroom. Right before the race starts, you're looking, you just see all the mothers. Do you because you have a good, great recollection of it? Do you remember what day it was? Sunday. It was a, oh, it was on the Sunday. Is that the thing on the Sunday? It was on the Sunday. Yeah, they don't do that day. now, though. 
Did sports all, days? All the sports days are during the week the now. But it was Sunday because yeah. they had the big sale of works and stalls everywhere. It was massive. And my race had just finished and I was running around trying to find my dad to show him my medal. And I ran back to kind of say, "Mam, any idea where he is? And over the 10 ID announced that Ray Hilton scored the goal. And I just remember the scene of whatever was in people's hands went up in the air. Okay, it was yeah. just incredible. And then of course run into 10 different classrooms and just, just men, like just hundreds of people. And, well, obviously not hundreds, but tens and twenties in every classroom. And eventually we found him. And then I had another race I genuinely don't know what it was, three-legged or egg spoon or something. Yeah, yeah. And then I was like, right, as soon as it's finished, right, go, 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 go home. And actually got to see the worst 10 minutes, which is the last 10 oh, minutes where we were absolutely battered. And Packy Bonner's masterclass. Incredible. Yeah. He was, uh, he was, he was amazing. It was yeah. absolutely amazing. Uh, albeit, they say we got battered, but we did have, we did have opportunities oh, in the game. We just under a fierce amount yeah, of pressure in the, the last... Ten, well, it might have been more than 10 minutes, was it? Was it? No, but that's all I've seen. Oh, that's if you don't mean live, yeah, that's all yeah, I've seen. Yeah. And I just remember Packy pulling off one or two ridiculous saves and just thinking, please, just please. And one of the greatest goals, I think, ever in any Euros, Ronnie Whelan's yeah. against Russia. And that was the best game, nearly the best we game I've seen from any Ireland team yeah. ever. We, yeah. we destroyed them that day and got robbed. Like after the victory in England, we were, we were in the tournament. We weren't just the underdog on a jolly. We were there to win and we showed it. We ha- I have... Um, I used to love going up to my uh, auntie's house because they had the video of the Euro 88 and we didn't have it. Yeah. And every time we go up and we have the video of the Euro 88, they're like, deadly, can we watch this? We're going up, we're going up to Nolene's house. Yes, yes, we're going up. So we go up and we go, hey, hey, Nolene. Uh, and we go in and I say, can I, can I watch? Yeah, of course, right. And go in and watch it. And you'd yeah. watch the England game, brilliant. Then you'd, yeah. it has all little interviews and, and yeah. uh, Irish fans, uh, you know, messing and all that sort of stuff. Then it goes into the uh, Soviet Union game, the USSR. And... Ronnie Whelan scores. And a goal to grace any performing yeah, occasion. Yeah, brilliant. <laughs> Incredible, everything. And then after that, the whole video's down here. Yeah. They score. Yeah. Tony Galvin got decapitated and never got the penalty. Never got the penalty. That's right, yeah. we, we, lost, we lost against uh, Holland. Oh. So the first time I watched it, the second time after that, then it was, oh, stop after Worst Ronnie Whelan yeah. scored. <laughs> <laughs> it's a crap video. Do you still look at that goal that Vin Keefe scored and it's going about three yards wide and go, And hope how, it's going to go wide. Like, how, hope, this, yeah. how do you get that much spin on a header? It's just incredible. Yeah, unreal. unreal. And, and am I right in saying, in the passage, like, this is when offside was offside. Yeah. Was there, there was a, was it one of the passes, like a crossfield pass before the cross where a guy was offside? Yes. Am I just jumping? Yeah, and yes. then it came back out. Your man hit the ball so in and theory, volley into and the ground. bounced into the ground. Yeah. Correct. So in theory... It, it should have been called offside as well in the weird way because back then offside was offside am I right uh, yeah, yeah it was it was, it was, yeah. it was but it's the spin I just every day every time I say it I just still can't get over it and then we were through to a semi-final and Paul McGrath that would have been a semi-final Paul McGrath had an absolute cracker where it's like how did that not go in yeah. 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 yeah like and the Dutch team were the team at the time with mm. the, the three Milan trio it was just and we were as good as them. we were as good as any of them I, the squad we had yeah like they're all Liverpool United, Man United. There's three Liverpool, three United, yeah. uh, three Celtic. You know, they were all in the top in, yeah. in the top divisions at the time. Yeah. Um, any other eighty-eight? Oh Jesus! We, well, we'll quickly go into it. Uh, Summer Olympics. Ben Johnson yeah. broke me heart. I loved loved me athletics back in the day. Still do, but I just thought he was unbelievable. And then it all unravelled very quickly. Um, and obviously Flojo never proven but it's pretty much a common I think it's nearly yeah sure her 200 metre record has never been touched and they've never been even been close no, she I, came in got her medals and ran yeah. pardon the pun fast fast <laughs> <laughs> very fast um, and I will just briefly gloss over this one because yeah, I don't enjoy it but Wimbledon with a great shock in 1998 or 1988 if it go final against Liverpool 
the great underdog non-league team about 10 years previously yeah made all the way to the Dave first Bessie. division yeah uh, I that was one of my yeah uh, greatest highlights as a kid yeah because you would have been an ultimate I, but I was, at the time I was a United Man United fan yeah. and I was getting battered left right yeah. centre every year for being you know, <sighs> I remember one of the lads Tanto was hanging out the window I couldn't it was Liverpool and Everton <laughs> where where right they were in, they were in the FA Cup final and I was in Frawley's with me man do you know yeah. going to get <laughs> to go in and get yeah. the curtain you know you got your Ireland yeah 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 so I was stuck in there with me man but you can hear the Radio and Liverpool are one nil up or whatever two one up or whatever. No, it was one nil. Was it one nil? Sanchez, yeah. No, this was the 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 other one, the, the against Everton. The no, year oh, before. sorry, apologies. Yeah, eighty six, eighty six. Yeah, and because uh, these are just the memories. These are all yeah, scars yeah. in my yeah, mind. Yeah. Uh, but I remember then they had won it, and I was going home because Man United weren't getting into anything. Yeah. I think. And uh, I was coming home, and I was, oh God, I'm gonna have to hear about this the next minute out the window. <gasps> We did it again, and uh, every, every year I was getting yeah. that. So yeah, uh, yeah. and that, it, it was actually that year '88 Liverpool won the league. Yeah, so Wasn't it that would right? have been their second double in three years. And I think they bought the league that year, didn't they? Because I mm. think they had a club oh. record. Uh, has it here? One point nine million for a twenty-six-year-old Peter Beardsley and nine hundred grand for John Barnes. Bought the league. Two absolute heroes. Two point yeah. five million back in the day. Yeah. Yeah. That was serious money back, it was then. back ah, then. Monster. John Barnes, absolute legend. And uh, you obviously remember the first 10 seconds. Vinnie Jones basically shouted at McMahon, I'm coming for you. Literally the first pass across McMahon, he came in like a train, took him clean out. Ref went, all right, well done, we're off, lads. Yeah. That's the first one. It's Move brilliant. on. Football was brilliant. Ah, it, yes, it, like, just, it was proper, Unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, we'll probably have to do a two-hour special on 88 another time. Imagine <laughs> 1990, we'll never get a finish. Never get a <laughs> <laughs> So anyway, here's the last one. Uh, it's is, uh, George Michael with Fate. Oh yeah, we're going to talk for about five seconds because uh, the old bit, church organ goes yeah. on for a little bit longer here. Yeah, so uh, yeah, church organ still going, still waiting on the church organ to finish. <laughs> Anyhow, Aaron uh, Aaron Ramsey, he didn't kill George, did he? Oh yeah, we have to go back to that. As uh, yeah, we'll come back to that we'll at the end. Back to that one. He okay. struck again yesterday. Enjoy, George. Okay, welcome back. Uh, you're listening to the big kickoff on Liffey Sound 96.4 FM. Uh, and we're delighted to have our first studio guest ever. Woohoo! Bradley let us down last week, didn't he? How dare you? <laughs> that's because it was like they were playing us this week. Oh, that's right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, how did that go, Lisa? <laughs> went well, grand, yeah. You've won another one for Three them. points, yeah. Uh, she's a very determined woman from Lucan, and she's making herself known on the national and international side of footballing world. Lisa Fallon, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Great. On our Facebook page and on the, the Twitter feed, uh, we've mentioned your involvement in, with Cork City and Northern Ireland uh, yeah. as a match analysis. But uh, when did you first get involved in the in the tactical side of uh, tactical analysis? I suppose um, I was actually, as you as you know, I, I used to work in radio quite a few years ago now, and uh, I was interviewing Michael O'Neill for. Um, it was before a game against Flora Tallinn in the Champions League in 2011 and I was asking him about, Rovers were flying at the time and I was saying to him, you know, if, if when you go into Europe, 
Rovers were so used to having the ball, they dominated possession so much. And I was saying to him, you know, when you don't have the ball in Europe, like you're going to have three days to prepare the lads for the amount of work, their shape, their mm. discipline, everything that they're going to have to do without the ball. And there's probably going to be a fair amount of a fair portion of the game in which they're yeah. going to be doing that without the ball. I was like, so how do you prepare them for that? And I remember him kind of looking how at me. How dare you ask me that question? <laughs> I think he was kind of looking at me as if to say, what? And um, so and then I was asking about the psychological impact of, you know, when you're on, when you've generated winning momentum, it's very important that you keep that going. Hmm. And there was a fair chance in Europe that, that they were going to start to hit defeats. Of course, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. So, And you don't want defeats to start to impact on the winning momentum that you have when you want to and need to win the league. So I was asking him about that as well. And I remember just afterwards, he said to me, where did the questions come from? And I was like, well, I thought they were obvious enough. Like, yeah. you know, and he was, he was saying, yeah, yeah. He said, but have you got a, have you got a coaching background? So at the time, like I was, I'd done my youth cert. I was coaching up in Piedmont, the girls, one of the development squads. And so like, whilst I had a coaching background it wasn't a significant one you know yeah. so um so yeah and he, he he just said no it was really interesting so he he, he took my number and he said I'll, I'll give you a shout later on so that evening they were in Tallinn and he rang me from there and uh, just before midnight and he he had spoken to the lads the board at chair at Shamrock Rovers and stuff and he said look I want you to come in next week so I was like, okay. And, um, you're, so, not, you're not known, why? Not really, no, no. He was. He, he just said, look, we've a, a women's national league team coming up, a new, a new venture, and you know, I think I'd like you to get involved in that. And I was like, okay. So the following week, I went to meet them, and they wanted to bring me in as the assistant manager of the women's team. So I was kind of going. I wasn't really sure, you know, because mm-hmm. Mount obviously were in Champions yeah, League yeah, and, and yeah, stuff like yeah. that, the women's team at the time. Not that I was involved with the women's, but I felt as the natural evolution of my coaching, would. It, I was in a very good place. Yeah. And um, But he, so he said, look, well, if you come in, I'll bring you in and you can watch the way we prepare for games and I'll show you what we do and you can come into training. So I was like, okay then. <laughs> so, so I went in and that was how it started. And then I had written an article on Pauk Salonica for extratime.ie and I remember he ra- he rang me that evening and he just asked me where did I get the, the info on Pauk and I said I, w- I just watched them on a, a live stream so he said that he had sent out a couple of scouts or got a couple of scouts reports and he said he'd learnt more from my article about how they would play ah, They were obviously uh, an opponent to come yes, for Rovers Yeah, oh. Greek opponent So, um, so damn, those, that, those lads got sacked I don't know what happened there. <laughs> <laughs> but I came in and started doing little research projects. Okay. So, yeah, so it literally, that's how it started. And uh, he would just ask me to watch something or, you know, little do a little bit of research on this for me. And, and literally, that's, that is how it started. And it was kind of the same with John Caulfield. I had interviewed him after Rockmount had played Avondale in the Munster Senior League. Cracking game, that was. <laughs> and... Um, and again, it was the same type of thing that I just literally, when whenever they play games up in Dublin or whatever in the Intermediate Cup and stuff, I would have the, give the teams up here the once over. And then yeah. when he moved to UCC, that carried on. And then when he was appointed manager of the Irish Men's University squad, he brought me in as part of his coaching staff. And then when he got the Cork City job, he brought me in then. So literally, I think it was it was a case of. Michael may be spotting 
something in me. Yeah. And it evolved from yeah. there, literally by working with the two of them. And obviously, I worked with Aaron Callahan at Bohemians as well. So yeah. that was a that was an important part of mm. the, the whole development. So it's not something I actually pursued. It was just something I found my way in yeah. to. Yeah. And then I just kind of, once I was in there, I really enjoyed it. Loved it. Working full-time in football full-time. is yeah, uh, was always my ambition as a kid. So... Um, to be to be doing it now is is quite something. And you uh, so really, what everyone should do is give their opinion, and and uh, and you might not get be afraid to ask a question. Stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Not be afraid to ask a question. It's the biggest thing. Yeah. It's the biggest thing. You know, you'd even sometimes you do talks and stuff, and you say, "Has anyone got any questions?" And and you have, and you, you go, oh. "No one ever asks." But like literally, by me asking Michael those questions, I got the job. Same with John, and. Ever since then, I've always been, I'm not afraid to ask a question. Because if I, if, if I want to know the answer, so, yeah. and the worst someone can say is no. Yeah, absolutely. You have a 50-50 chance they're going to say yes. So your next question counts, Shannon. Oh, it does it. <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> no pressure at all. <laughs> Just on the games, where do you, where do you get the, like, uh, any games you're watching from for Northern Ireland, it might be a little bit easier, but... Uh, the Cork City games where do you get your, your feed of games to watch did, did the clubs I go to give them, them? all of them yes okay and would yes. you get tapes say from RT Archives no no it's all just watching live yeah absolutely so I suppose I'm what I'm six in my seventh year now in the League of Ireland hmm. I suppose before that I was watching it as a reporter so I was always at games yeah. so did I know how teams play yes um, but with Cork City I would usually I'd say 85% of the time be out watching another team or a future opponent the night that we play. So I'm very seldom at our games. Mm. But then when I get home from the game that I'm at, the footage of our game is there and I work Mm. through the night basically and get it get everything ready for the following morning. And how often would you look at an opponent before the upcoming game? Um, it depends on how many times I think I need yeah. to. Like if there's been a change of manager or, you know, particularly at the start of the year because there's so much change in the League of Ireland squads from year to year. Mm. Um, the transfer windows are, are the same, aren't they? Yeah. So midway through the season. there's Yeah, a, there's we, we've, a, we've a, a new window coming up now. Right. So, um, you know, there probably will be a little bit of change, but nothing, mm. nothing major, I suppose. Realistically, you know, over time you get to know all the players and all the managers and styles of play and, you know, Mm. it's just really piecing things together and what they're doing and is there anything new, you know. In the likes of set pieces and stuff, would you kind of watch, are they very samey and You watch absolutely everything, everything. Yeah, I can imagine. Every detail, Any, any single detail that you can find to help sway any margin in any game is yeah. relevant information. Have you kind of, have, what's the kind of strangest thing or maybe strangest that you might have put across to a John Conf- Caulfield or Michael O'Neill that they might go, geez, we're really going into detail here. Um, Would it be on an individual player or anything like that? Or is it kind of if something that you noticed? Without naming names, obviously. <laughs> it's really hard. Really yeah, exactly. I remember we played one team and um, I had been able to acquire some information um, about it's espionage. <laughs> <laughs> you can see her with the, the, the different colour wig and the glasses <laughs> yeah. in the corner. 
that's not me. Or at least, no. Oh, it's not, it's not that bad. Um, no, I remember we, we. I just happened to get some time, um, some information about maybe a slight bit of political influence on Ooh. an international team, and one of the managers or one of the politicians quite liked one of the players who often got to play or got, yeah. got to come on as a sub. So. It was interesting to see him coming on as the third sub in the game, and it was just yeah, <laughs> like it's yeah. You look, you you have to work hard. There's an awful lot of hours that go into it. Like you, you could put, God, the, the amount of hours that you could put into something one game is is quite something. But you have to condense all that information down into maybe, you know, twelve minutes worth. Hmm for the manager so the manager gets to know what might have taken you 30 or 40 50 yeah. hours to do they get it condensed and quickly and then what you give to the players then is even more refined because it has to be really relevant to what yeah. their roles are or what they have to do and it's just it's um, it's just it's just detail that it, that has to be relevant. It's relevant detail and it's understanding what is relevant and what isn't because you can't be bombarding people with information. Too much information, yeah. But you have to be a resource there. If they have any questions, you have to have that information bank there. And is most of the information that you give more for the manager, would there be clips involved or is it mainly a dossier? Like obviously the lads both. will have a little hand, but it's a bit of both. For the man, would the players have clips? Or Absolutely. Goalkeepers for penalties and all the usual stuff. Um, we would do clips on yeah. anything that's relevant. Yeah. yeah. Have you uh, have you looked at a game, right? And thought, yeah, I've nailed it. And you've looked at the game, gone, yeah, they probably wouldn't have won that game without me out there today. No, I don't. You know what? I don't think you do. Like, there's so many, or, or, or something that you were got. Yeah, I'm proud, proud of that one. That- oh, there is. Look, there's any time you do anything that, if you give any piece of information and you can see that that information has affected a game in any shape or form then of course that's very satisfying you know that that's like your goal do you know what I mean yeah. like it's when you know that something you've done has influenced a game or the outcome of the game yes that's that's very satisfying and in order for me to stay in a job that's that kind of has to happen on a regular enough yeah, basis yeah. <laughs> do you yeah, know what I mean yeah. like so it's um but but really and like I know it sounds cliche or whatever but it really is all about the players like yeah. The players are the the people on the pitch who make the decisions based on the information that they have. And our job as coaches or backroom staff and managers, you know, everyone has a part to play. And it doesn't work if everybody doesn't work together and Mm. put their part. Like if you put out 11 players, if five players have a poor game, you're not going to win the game. So the... It's the same in the backroom team. Everybody has a role and has to do their role really, really well. And that way, if you look after your bit and everybody else's bits are right, you, you'll have a really well and well-run and efficient team. And to be fair to John and Michael, they're both brilliant at man management and at, um, you know, getting the best out of people. They really Clearly. are. Especially they are. with Cork City this year, was it just two <clears throat> points dropped? Yeah. Where did where did you let them down? There? Where did you let, go away? <laughs> what did you do wrong? Huh? <laughs> Didn't bother going up to watch them one time. <laughs> that was too far. <laughs> oh God! I tell you. Does that hurt? Would would something like that hurt? Like I know it's very unrealistic to win every game. Obviously, Celtic we're gonna beat, but would would that have hurt? Like the lads. 
dropping of the first course. point. Yeah, yeah, it's you, natural. You're there to win every match in professional football. Yeah. You know the stakes are so high. Um, you know, but it's very important too that you you keep it balanced because, as you say, it's it's not possible really to win every single game. So. Um, and in a game of football, there's so many things that can con- that, that affect what happens in a match that you can't control. So you've 11 opposition players which you can't control. You have the decisions that your own players will make. You have the opposition manager, um, referees, you know, assistant referees, yeah. crowd, weather, condition of the pitch. You can't affect any of that stuff. So really, it's very important that you have that your, you know, that your team is set up, everybody knows what their role is in relation to the way you've decided you're going to play for that game and that everything is just really well prepared. That's the best way that you can be going into a game. And I know it's a bit of a cliche that if you fail to prepare, you're prepared to fail. But it's true. <laughs> it's yeah, true. You know, you can't, you can't slack off. So I think it's, um, you know, you just have to be on the ball and, you know, everybody contributes. And at the end of the day, if you get out with the right result... Then you'll you'll have earned it, like you know. Brilliant. Well, listen, we're going to go to a very short break, so we can all take a little breather there. But uh, I hope you enjoyed it so far. And we're going to come back with a bit more. Obviously, we're going to have a. Obviously, we're going to chat about the Euros and whatever, and uh, one or two other little bits, bits and pieces. And I don't know whether she knows it yet, but she's, no, she's going to be taken down. She's in a quiz. Oh no. Yeah, you're about to beat the brain, or uh, take on the brain. I should say. <laughs> you she's not going to beat the brain. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. I wanted to make sure you didn't prepare because I need to win, or else. Can't. Anyway, we're going to go to a quick break. Broadcasting to Lucan, this is Lippy Sound, 96.4 FM. Great, you're back with the big kickoff on Liffy Sound. Um, Lisa Fallon's with us today. Lisa, you're on your pro license this week. Uh, yeah, I started it last week. How the hell are you getting on? It was brilliant, absolutely brilliant. I have to say, it was one of those, um, it was one of those weeks I'll look back on in my life and go, that was a key week. It was a key week because... We were, I suppose you've done your youth cert, your B license, your A license, and it's 11 years actually since I did my kickstart no one. Way, yeah, way. yeah. Kickstart. <laughs> I know, honest to God. So, so when you were um, 16, you started, was it? <laughs> You're so kind. You're so kind. We were in the same two class. Weeks, two weeks in, only two weeks in, and that's a low. I don't think we're going to get lower than that <laughs> no definitely not but um yeah so um so no look it was it was excellent it was um it was it actually surprised me because you know it's uh, the a license and all is it's it's all very much pitch orientated but and, and you do a lot of other theory work as well around strength and conditioning and you know um the media um what else would we have done analysis, software, all that kind of stuff. But the pro license was really interesting because so much of it this week was about mental resilience and mental health, which is very important because an awful lot of people don't like to use the word mental. No. Like your your athletes and your players are not going to perform if they are not physically right. Yeah. But they are also not going to play and perform to their their maximum if they're not mentally right. 100%. And we're the same. Coaches, backroom staff, managers, everybody is the same, like in all walks of life. And they they talk to us a lot about understanding the differences between chronic stress and 
acute stress. Acute stress is what you go through during a game. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's no avoiding yeah. that. And yeah. to be fair, that's probably why we're all in it because of that rush and the, the range of emotions that you get. Um, and acute stress is, is fine. It's chronic stress that becomes an issue. And they looked at lots of different ways of how to look after yourself, mind yourself. Sleep was the biggest one that they said, you know, the amount of people who compromise their sleep in particularly in this working world that we're in. But even kids nowadays, they're on mobile phones all the time and they're, you know, they're so embroiled in social media and the pressures that that brings. Um, So from that perspective, I found it really interesting. And they were saying that no matter what you compromise in your day, sleep should never be it. Like it was very relevant because they talked about how football is 24-7. And it is. Yeah, it's nonstop. 100%, 24-7. And anyone who's in the, in the game will, will, will recognise that. But even normal working life for an awful lot of people now, particularly since the recession, the amount of pressure that that's put on people, families spend less time together, people are working more, employers are demanding more hours or more work from employers because staff numbers are reduced and everybody's just under more pressure and more stress. And what tends to happen is you're bringing work home, your laptops, iPads, phones, work never ever leaves people anymore. And then for young people, social media, which is usually the source of a lot of pressure for them, never leaves them because it's there all the time. And what they said is, whilst you have to be available 24-7, you don't have to work 24-7. There's a difference. There's a real difference. Obviously being able to switch off. Absolutely. And that's the thing that we don't do. The amount of people that go to bed and put their phone on the bed beside the pillow. Yeah, yeah. And then wake up next morning and it's the first thing they do. First thing they do, last thing they do at night. So, like, what they said was, you know, and it's interesting because with my job, I often have to work right through the night. So, um, and you're kind of catching up on sleep then over the weekend or after a game or whatever. But... It's interesting since we did it I've I'm nearly two weeks into it now and I have stopped compromising my sleep 100% so a man a male needs a minimum of eight hours sleep and a woman needs a minimum of seven okay so what I've done is now started going to bed uh, like so if I'm going at 11 phone is off at half 10 because realistically if anybody's going to need you at that point yeah. They have you by then, right? Yeah. So phone goes off at, at that time and then I set my alert. So I'm making sure if I go to bed 11, don't drop off till say half 11, half six, half seven. So you set the alarm for half seven. Yeah, yeah. So you're giving yourself a window, an opportunity to get an extra hour if yeah. you can. or And like literally the difference I feel in the space of two weeks is insane. Yeah. I actually can't believe it. I mean, yeah. how many times do you wake up and it's from an alarm? Yes. It's not your natural waking experience, you know? Yeah. So, and it's probably, again, I'd look at it from me, probably 13 out of 14 days, you know, yeah. or, or something like that. So yeah. it has to affect you somehow. Yeah, and yeah. Like even it was weird, like, because even I find I'm remembering stuff, my, my mind definitely feels sharper. Like stuff, sometimes you'd be tired or whatever and you'd, you'd, go, you'd be saying, oh God, what was the score in that game? Or 
know who scored that one. It'd take you a couple of, you'd have to think about it to remember it. Whereas now it's just like, it's so much different. And I just found, I found that really surprising. And they were saying, you know, that, you know, that's achievable. There's nobody that can't achieve that. And in relation to the mental side of it, as you're saying, in the pro license, is it kind of more, you as the coach, is it to the players or is it as into you? So you can be the best, it's both. Both. Is it more emphasis on the player to read the signs? This week was more about us. Right. It was more about us because it was really interesting because they were saying the pressures in in professional football are exceptionally high, Mm. much higher than in any other job. And we were kind of saying, you know, Oh, well, you know, it's not like we're surgeons. It's not like if we make a mistake, someone's life is at risk, Mm. you know. But they made an interesting point that in football or sport or particularly in the world now of social media, that people are scrutinized more. That if you make a mistake on a football pitch as a professional footballer, there could be 50,000 people in the stadium watching you and a few million on TV and all of them are going to have opinions about you and yeah. your mistake and they're all on the trigger and they're with going the smartphones. to yeah absolutely so though what they were saying is that you as a human being are being judged by a far bigger audience people who may not know you who may not understand the difficulties or the challenges that you had going into the game and that but still they feel a sense of entitlement to judge you as a person or to criticize you and particularly for young people you know like obviously for adults it's it's difficult but that's the way the world is now um and you know you have to i suppose you have to work a little bit more on your resilience and, and stuff like that so that it doesn't affect you from doing your job effectively um because everybody you know, excessive criticism can really affect Effective. everybody. Absolutely. And um, but you think of that impact on young people, particularly kids in academies, or you know. And they're always looking for praise. Of course. And you get criticism; they they buckle and fold very easily. So yeah, and we're and no different, I suppose. When we get we get older, yeah. we, we still take that criticism. We still buckle a certain extent. Of course, but you you know, as adults, you you try and keep it in yeah, a, a little bit more. But that's you know. The, the biggest killer in under 35s yeah. is suicide. Mm, it's exactly. not road traffic yeah. accidents. It's not drugs. It's not, it's not, it's suicide. Yeah. Like that has to tell us something. And they said even in, in particularly in men under 50, mm-hmm. the biggest killer is, is, is suicide. Yeah, it's frightening, isn't it? Like that's that's something scary. that we have to take account of. Oh, and people have to get away from this issue of, skirting around you know it's stress or they're suffering from stress related illness it's not it's mental health and there is nothing wrong with looking after your mental health or the mental health of the young people around you or the players around you or the staff around you it's so important it's it's It's, just as important as your physical health it's and it's it's exactly same except we haven't recognized that before it's as important people use lots of other words to talk to, to 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 undress the word mental. Yeah. We use psychological, we use motivation, we use, you know, there are all these different types of words. But at the end of the day, all of them mean mental preparation. Yeah, yeah. 
or mental health. That's what all of them mean. Yeah. And it's excellent. And I'm delighted that they're doing that on the course. I wonder how long it's in the course, but I'm, I'm delighted that that's the content that is there now, because as you said, under 35, that's an astonishing fact. It's scary. Mm-hmm. It's um, actually scary. Just on, uh, I believe Harry Kewell's on the course with you. He is. Uh, is Benny McCarthy, am I he right is, with that? Yeah. Harry Kewell <laughs> got um, the Crawley Town job. Yeah. Isn't that correct? For you, uh, how do you view your chances of getting a big job? Because uh, I have two big jobs. I'm talking about the, the big, would you, would you be looking in your future to go coaching just or managerial? And if it was managerial, how do you view your chances? And I believe it'll be managerial. Uh, Thanks very much. <laughs> how do you view your chances uh, being a woman? in a, a male-dominated kind of... Joe, this comes scene. up an awful lot, yeah. and people, I suppose, it's novel, the fact that I'm female, but in the working environments that I'm actually in, I'm not novelty at all. Yeah. I'm mm-hmm. just normal, and, you know, so it's... And for me, I ended up on a pathway, which I'm six, seven years into now. I'm working at international senior men's level. Um and Premier Division level in Ireland, you sometimes have to take stock of where you are and stop pushing, pushing, pushing and actually just excel at what you're doing. And that's where I am now. The pro licence obviously is, is, is important in some respects because what it does is it changes my potential. The potential, yeah. uh, the potential of what can come down the road. But have I thought about what comes down the road yet? No. And like I genuinely haven't um, because I'm very, very much in the zone of the two jobs that I have at the moment. Um, but you, mu- you, mu- you must have. I mean, you're, you're doing your coaching badges. Uh, yeah. You do it because you love coaching. Absolutely. OK. Uh, so there will be that element that... Uh, you must want to get out. You must want to coach. You must have that feel do, of see, wanting that, that, to organise your own team. My jobs at the moment do involve on-pitch work. Okay. I do mm. some on-pitch work. Um, and I, so that certainly does happen. Um, but am I craving to do something else? No, I'm not. Um, but, I think people, uh, people, people maybe underestimate the role of the analyst. I, I think people have... Um, and maybe analyst is, is, again, is a word that people get hung up on because they see you there with data and yeah. computer. It's not like that at all. Yeah. Like, it's, it's all football. It's all football matches. It's on the pitch. It's watching training. It's phases of play. It's, it's all pure football. Like, it's not... I don't, like some, I, sometimes I feel it's... The term analyst is probably wrong yeah. for what I do. Because like, would I'm, you be involved during the 90 minutes of the game sometimes? Would no, you be t- normally, kind of told to watch in the background and maybe yes. give us something for the second half? Oh, obviously. Yeah. Uh, obviously, yeah. yeah, yeah. But that's if I'm at our game. Normally yeah. I'm at the opposition game. Or with Northern Ireland, um, we do live in-game analysis. So whilst I take in the feed of the game, I can send clips that yeah. can be used at half time. So, you know, you, you, there is that level of stuff. So am I analysing the game? Yes, but am I keying in data and looking at numbers no, no I'm yeah. watching the game and what we were hoping to achieve and what maybe we are or we aren't or maybe there might be something different that the other team is doing and you can send a clip down and then you can deal with it then at half time you know so it's it's it uh, you know I think the word analyst is probably 
that's just the word that it is. You're, yeah. You become a performance analyst. But I think people just created a word for, for yeah. what you're doing. Like effectively, yeah. you're coaching everyone on the, the opposition or, or what may or may not happen, you know? Like, so it's just a term, you yeah. know? Like you're still very much involved. So does that mean that that's the long way around saying you're happy where you are at the moment? <laughs> I don't know, I've, I really genuinely am. Like, you yeah. know, where, where else would you could you go, like at the minute? Like, I haven't thought about it. So I mean, there's you know, been a league, there's a league of Ireland merry-go-round with managers. Yes, and there's always slots available. And with you, that I've seen uh, through coaching up at different places, and and just your your demeanour as well, you're a very determined person. You seem like you you know what you want. So I'm seeing you. I, really see, I know. For an answer, yeah. I know in the back of your mind, you want to go somewhere. And I think it's I think it's that big step into a big job. Am I wrong? Well, I, you know, I just haven't thought about it. You know, like I like it. I said, I you have media, media training down at Cork City. Yeah. 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 <laughs> How do I divert? <laughs> well, no, like honestly, like it's you know the pro license will take me on a different road, but I'm very focused on the two roles that I have right now because I feel I've an important role with both teams, and it's important that. I'm not distracted and I'm not, you know, yeah. like I really do enjoy what I do every morning, Monday morning, tomorrow morning, I'll be getting up and I'll be going, you know, going to work and I'll be on a football pitch yeah. oh, at, at half eight in the morning and you're kind of going, you know, you sometimes, you know, you don't, you can't take things for granted yeah. either, you know, like it's, it, I've worked very hard to get to where I am, you know, and, you know, people talk about the whole management thing again, you know, all the time, like at the, at the minute, Let's face it, you know, where am I in terms of women's football? I probably don't know enough at the minute because I don't see enough of the games. Yeah. And that's being totally honest. Would I be, a, you know, a suitable candidate for a job? Probably not at the moment because my knowledge of, the, of women's football here or in the UK isn't, isn't as strong as it, as it would need to be if I felt I was to be a contender for an, a, a serious job. So male or female in it's, uh, teams is irrelevant for you. It's, like, it's the right job for you. Absolutely. So it's not going, no, I want to stick on the male side of things. You'd be open to either. Yeah, but then, yeah. you know, there's never been a, a female manager of a professional men's team. Which is obviously so. a, a serious goal. In Ireland. In, um, <laughs> that has been in France, hasn't yes, it? Yes, Corinne Diac. Yes. Yeah. Oh, and before that? Well, Helen Acosta was there for a day or something, but it and didn't she, work out. Did, yeah, and but she, then they she re- felt undermined, though, wasn't that one of the reasons? Absolutely, and she yeah. was right. Yeah. I think, you know, if, if, you know if, if the reports are what they were, and there is truth in, in the reasons why she decided not to take it, then she did the right thing. Yeah. You know, that that's, she did a good thing. Um, but Corinne is 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 excellent. She's she's very good, and she's there. She's still in that job, isn't she? She is. That's yeah. three years, I think. Now she's in that job. I think it's it was two thousand forty. Is a second? Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, because actually, I was watching a, a bit of a, a a documentary kind of on her, and uh, she seems to have settled in really well. Now I don't know. This is my uh, cons- conspiracy theory. Did they take her on just because the Helena Costa didn't, didn't work? Look, would they have taken we on? Can't second guess what their motives were for taking her on, but yeah. she's. She's gone in there. She's done a very good job. I yes, know yes. she's she had challenges at the start of the season, and uh, you know she certainly has had interesting challenges along the way. I do speak to her occasionally. She's um, she's somebody I have a lot of respect for, and um, she's uh, 
it's it's great to have another woman in fem- in yeah, men's football, you know that. No, it's great. I think it's great to see. I absolutely think it's great to see because you have to break down down barriers. If you're good enough for a job, you're good enough for a job. I think that's the way it should be. Yeah. But we would go for an ad and we come back with the quiz. Yeah, speaking of the mental side of things, let's see how strong she is. Oh, anyway, God. We're going to go to the ads anyway. <laughs> Thank you. You're listening to Liffy Sound, www.liffysoundfm.ie. Listen online, community radio at its best. The Irish India Council estimates that there are over 90,000 Indian-born people in Ireland. Would you like to know something of their commonly held deep beliefs about the world, themselves and the divine? Tune in to Community Hour, India Worlds, on Wednesday next, the 31st of May at 9pm. That's Community Hour, Indian Worlds, Wednesday next, 31st of May, 9pm. Yep, on Liffey Sound FM. Have you taken our advice and explored the many attractions in our lovely Liffey Valley? There's so much to enjoy in the Liffey Valley. Lovely parks, riverside walks, historic houses, water sports, children's play areas and much, much more. The Liffey Valley Park Alliance continues its work for the preservation of this marvellous amenity and its picturesque landscapes. You can play your part by using its various facilities. If you have not already done so, start now. You won't regret it. If sore necks, ringing in your ears and mosh pits are your thing, check out High Voltage with me, Dave Darcy, for all things rock, metal and punk. Every Monday evening from 7 to 9 on Liffey Sound 96.4 FM. Danger, danger. High Voltage. Bring the Local programs, local presenters, local news. Tune to Liffey Sound 96.4 FM. Uh, wrong mouse, that would help. Anyway, here we go, going. Ooh, yeah! Beat the brain! <laughs> <laughs> Dig it! Dig it. Okay, so what we've got, we've got uh, Bugo transfer, transfers uh, to his alter ego, the brain, all right? He, he fancies him uh, a, a know-it-all in sports uh, knowledge, so we'll see. We'll see where we get on. Bugo, do you want to start the old uh, tense background music there to get us going? With pleasure. Okay. A bit of acute stress there. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Lisa, you're the guest. So you have the choice between uh, questions A or questions B. Questions A go first. Question B obviously goes second. Your choice. A. Okay, you're up first. The Scottish Cup final was contested between Celtic and Aberdeen yesterday, in which Celtic completed a domestic treble by winning 2-1. But who scored the game's opening goal? I didn't see the game. Oh, no. I was doing our analysis from Shamrock Rovers. There is no Passover, by the way, sorry. so you don't get a Passover. I can only remember the second one. That's all right. I didn't see it, sorry. No. Griffiths, no. Irishman. <laughs> Johnny Hayes. Aberdeen, oh, Aberdeen, of course. I was thinking of Celtic. Yes. Yeah, this brain thing is failing. Alright. Oh, really? <laughs> Bugo. Oh, do tell. Come on. I'm ready. Who scored the winner late into injury time? <sighs> Australian's finest, Tom Rogic. Get in! <laughs> okay. Woo! Okay. How's your golf? Oh, God. 
Loving this segment. The BMW PGA Championship is held in Wentworth this weekend. With three rounds played, can you name any of the top four players going into the last round? Jeez. God. Any. Think. Think of. <laughs> I thought you were trying to stitch me up. I tell you, I've been. He probably thought I'd go B, didn't he? No, no, <laughs> these are fair and square. Fair and square. Oh God! Totally professional. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to think. Any of the top four? Any of the top four? In any in, in the top four uh, on top of the leaderboard, third round is over yesterday. God, and it was on last night on the TV, and I didn't even switch on. All the sleep you've Every had, other your, your brain should be clear. What? <laughs> All the sleep you've had, lady, your brain should be clear. Hello, we say McElroy. Having a clue? Ooh, no. We had Andrew Dot, Brandon Grace, Francesco Malinari, or Lee Westwood. <laughs> Lee, and I was going to say Lee Westwood. Oh, I don't believe it. Okay. Oh. I'd have been out for two. The brain. Yes. The O'Donovan brothers, Gary and Paul, were competing in today or are competing in today's final in the European Rowing Championships. But in which country is it being held? I think I'll swim around in this moment for a few minutes. Ah, you know what? So just say it, will you? Yeah, Czech Republic. Okay. Oh, careful now. Fopping. Oh, yeah, good. Okay. And good luck to Denise Walsh as well, who's uh, qualified for the final as well. I actually was watching it yesterday. She was actually quite comfortable in our single school, so. She came second in and she's a great chance of a medal just as well as, as much as the boys and it's great that they're showing coverage on RT now at the moment yeah. any any Irish team that are t- succeeding should be on TV and it's great yeah. to see excellent um, it's, bit for the it's good stuff League of Ireland Leaf. as well yeah yeah more of this <laughs> who scored the first goal for Cork City on Friday night <laughs> <laughs> I probably know that one you might get this one Lisa oh. the Guinness Pro 12 final was contested by Munster and Scarlet oh, with a latter coming this. out on top 46-22 but can you tell me who captained Munster standard <laughs> do you know Bugo Brian uh, I do recall it's Peter O'Mahony it is yeah uh, See, he's kidding me. I spent the whole day yesterday working. I haven't oh, seen no, one. That's the whole it's point of this. For me, this is know. the whole point. Shannon <laughs> wants me to lose. Total stitch-up. I haven't even seen the Sunday papers yet. But this is the whole point. I'm, this, I'm supposed to be all-known, all-conquered. That's why it was a quarter to nine this morning. <laughs> I think, Bogo, if you get this, you win. Ah, it's irrelevant. Yeah. It's, I've got it. Come yeah. on, let's okay. go. Okay, Michael Conlon oh. won a second professional fight against Mexican Alfredo Shanez. Is that correct? correct? That In what round was the fight stopped? Um, uh, I'm only messing line up the third it was Jesus he was looking at the clipboard when I came in anyway <laughs> <laughs> and he wasn't too happy it's good to see he wasn't too happy he said no uh, wasn't happy with the performance and he says get me better opposition he, he, he wants to he's ready he's ready he's quite he? fit and he's ready to go and he wants to go up a ladder Hopefully he's not too much too soon. Not, uh, yeah, Bring it not on. too cocky too soon. Okay, I'll just go. We'll end with, with, with a football and one, okay? Aye. Right. the ego. But that's uh, not an easy one either. Ooh. Who won the Swiss Super League this oh, year? Christ. Now, this is... think you can probably knock a few off that you haven't a clue who they are. Clear 15 points. Ooh. Oh no, that's Austria. 
FC bars. Correct. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I would have gone for that. I haven't a clue, but that's who I would have gone for. Who were you saying there? I was about to say Red Bulls, uh, Salzburg. I was like, no, that's Austria. That's the wrong. At least that's the country, right? <laughs> and your question is, Burger, even though it's a Red Bull. Who won the Austrian Bundesliga? Red Bull, Salzburg. It is. Oh, well thank done. God. We'll leave it at that. Absolutely brilliant. Victorious. The brain wins his first ever challenge. Lisa, get out. Get out. So it's staying. Right down. <laughs> Oh, oh, knock off the music, sorry. Yeah, knock off the music. Yes. Now work away there, Mr. Shannon. Okay. Any plans, Lisa? What's the plans for uh, next week? Is there any pro license stuff going on? Or- no, we've got uh, Cork City. We're away to Dundalk. And the same night, Northern Ireland are playing a friendly game against New Zealand. Then the League of Ireland has a break for a week um, before we're back in. And then... But that week, Northern Ireland are playing um, away to Azerbaijan. So in the World Cup qualifiers. Yeah. So yeah, no, it's, it's great. It's you know it's ticking along quite nicely. And then we'll be into the second half of the season. So nice Brilliant. and busy. Brilliant. Nice, uh, nice and busy summer. Uh, read a few papers when you're doing nothing. All right, try and find out some sports. See, I was knowledge. busy getting my yeah. sleep to make sure we'll I had my how, quota before. Next I time came we have in. her on, we'll see how well she's prepared. <laughs> <laughs> I think what we'll do, Dave, we go to a song and uh, we're going to sign off then after that. Do you want to do that? Yeah, we'll do. Uh, anything in particular that uh, happened over the last 24 hours? No, I don't think we'll go with that one because I think we have oh. a few minutes, don't we? Yeah, yeah, we've we'll not a few minutes. minutes. So we'll throw on uh, the Imagine Dragons, Thunder. Nice. Okay. with the quick fuse. I was uptight, wanna let loose. I was dreaming of bigger things and wanna leave my old life behind. Number, I was lightning before the thunder. Okay, welcome back. Right, we're gonna sign off. Uh, Bugo, how do you think it went today? Fast. Fast and flow, Joe. Fast, yeah. yeah. No, unbelievable. Totally enjoyable. Much appreciate to Lisa for coming in and joining us. Fascinating stuff. No uh, bother at all. Enjoyed it. Uh, we could have talked all day to you. Uh, yeah. We uh, we had a good few questions that we didn't ask, but uh, I think we got a good insight into what you do. Uh, what the pro I was excited about the pro license because I wanted to hear, and and the mental health side uh, was brilliant because uh, it's good to see that people are starting to recognise that side of things. Very uh, important. Um, next week we will have uh, a young man from Liverpool Football Club uh, who will be won't be playing Champions League next year when they get knocked out in the qualifying Never. round. Uh, Connor Masson is joining us next week and uh, we're really looking forward to having him in next week. Um, uh, we will put up on the Facebook page over the next coming weeks the, the guests that we have up, but uh, uh, so far they've been brilliant and uh, Connor, I'm sure, will add to that again next week. Uh, Anthony, want to say to sign off, Bug? No, just much appreciated again to both yourself and to Lisa. I hope everyone's enjoyed it today and um, most importantly, uh, have a good weekend. Stay safe and be seeing you. Brilliant. We're going to sign off with a classic uh from Slane.